Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party, where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Hannah Rogers. My name is Zach Torpy. Together, we will guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them. All while remaining faithful to our conservative values. Trust me, it'll be a good time. So grab your mugs and we'll pour the tea. Okay, Zach, it's an election year. We've been talking a lot about elections. Um, we've been, we talked about elections two weeks ago. And we have an episode planned for a couple weeks from now to talk more about elections. So it's just something that's on our mind. And uh, what do you think that elections have to do with the environment and what's going on with your state? Tell me a little bit more about it. Well, I think it's really important to let elections have to be competitive and you have to have opinions on things. You can't just have the same politician running over and over again and holding office and not doing anything, not changing anything. It's important that these politicians feel the electorate and are representative and not just hold their spot for 20 years. What? You don't want the same person running the state for 20 years, Zach? <laughs> the same party running the state for 20 years? Yeah. Coming from New York, I have never seen a Republican win never? statewide office or vote for the president or Republican candidate in the present election in my life. <laughs> and uh, coming from Utah, never seen a Democrat, never seen a third party in my whole life win a statewide seat. Even some of the like local seats are pretty uncontested, which is a little bit frightening, you know? Yeah, and it's a common thing where like these super partisan areas, you, they don't even get like a, no one even runs on the other side. It's just like one person is not, a, not, getting, not getting any competition and just uh, holding the spot down for until he wants to leave or die. Or die. <laughs> I wonder how many politicians actually die in office or they just retire to a golf course or something. I don't know. That's actually a terrible thing to say. I don't actually believe that reti- like retirement for politicians just include moving into a golf course, but I see a lot of golfing going on and it makes me suspicious. Maybe they're living there. Speaking of golfing, I actually went golfing for the first time the other day. I don't mean to be terrible. I was so bad at it that I kind of never want to go golfing again, <laughs> which is terrible because I just, it's a cool sport and it's like really unique. And I have a lot of friends who are really good at it, but I was straight up digging this golf club into the grass over and over and over again. And I was like, I feel like I'm just destroying the course more than I'm like actually <laughs> the ball any closer to the hole that it's supposed to go into. That's what most first timers do. That's what I would probably do. I haven't been in Are you telling a me while. that you're really good at golf? Oh, I'm terrible at golf. I am, terrible I, golf? I am hit the hit the ball, have it hit a tree, go back to past where I was starting. Kind of oh kind of player. Have you ever been to Top Golf? Is that a thing back where you're at? Yeah, Top Top Golf's like the practice. Top Golf is the only kind of golfing that's acceptable for me because there's food, there's soda, there's couches. I don't want to be in the hot sun, wearing a collared shirt, driving a little like cart around and then just <laughs> digging holes in, a, in the golf course because I'm like uh, but like you know top golf like it's acceptable if you're terrible so that's why I go there <laughs> you're allowed to be bad I'm allowed to be bad I'll stick to mini golf <laughs> yeah off to mini golf even I mean even mini golf that's that might be too much for me but I have <laughs> other sports that I enjoy I love running all those other things but golf is just yeah it's a uh, it, me and my golf don't agree very well. But it's also like, 
one time I was at a work event and they made us go golfing and the CEO, like all the executives were like super good at it. And so you could tell that they had a little club going and they were going golfing together a lot more than the rest of us were. And I was it's like, Hey, networking place. Say what? It's the networking places, but people just go there and network. And that's how, that's why people get into it. And that's why they stay into it. They're just trying to network and move up the social ladder and the work ladder. Yeah. So maybe I should get good at it. Cause if I want to, if I want to have a career, I maybe should uh, get better at golf instead of just like being horribly embarrassed. Anyways, golf is a side thing. Um, maybe it's just because we're talking about politicians and we see them doing a lot that we're talking about golf. But tell me more about what Colorado is doing. So on the on a ballot measure this year, there's going to be a proposal to change our entire election system from state senators on for federal elections. So it'll open up the primary system. It'll be an open primary and anyone can run in this one primary and then it'll get voted down to a final four. In that final four, it'll have a ranked choice voting. So this is very similar to Alaska's current setup. This would start acting in 2026 if it's passed. Wow. Yeah. Totally new system or totally different system than Colorado currently has. Gonna shake it up, maybe get some more Maybe get out the get rid of the two dominant parties that we're stuck with and uh, bring in some new opinions from anywhere. Okay. So explain ranked choice voting to me like I'm like three. So ranked choice voting is you get to select your favorite candidate we would like to win and put them as your first choice. And if they don't if they have the least amount of votes, they would get eliminated and your vote would then go to your second choice. And if that person doesn't make the cut your vote would go to your third choice. So it sort of like eliminates down until you get to a candidate that everyone approves of, at least partially. Hmm. Okay. So what is like the benefit of having ranked choice voting? Like, I mean, I mean, for example, like in one election, say I like only one person, like what would be the benefit for me with ranked choice voting? But I guess I could see the benefit for someone who's like really ambivalent, doesn't really know. Um, it feels way more representative, but then like, how are the votes even counted, right? So say in this election, you don't like Biden, you don't like Trump, and you want to vote libertarian, but you don't want to feel like your vote's going nowhere. Ah. So you could, you could vote for the libertarian candidate, and then you could vote for the forward party candidate or the green party candidate and put them as the first your first picks. And when they don't make the cut and they get eliminated because no one else voted for them, that vote can then be pushed over to the bigger candidate who you also somewhat support. But it gives you a longer list of options and should give should allow more third party candidates to get more initial support and show that people actually want these other candidates and support what they're doing. It just gives them more opportunity. And hopefully in years to come, they will actually have a chance to win an election. So I think that like a real one thing that I know about ranked choice voting, you know more about this than I do, Zach, but I know that the UK does ranked choice voting. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that right? Do that? I'm pretty sure I do. Do a quick Google search. But the only reason I say this is because when I was in London, I was talking to someone about elections, and they were saying that they, they have eight parties in the UK because they have ranked choice voting, and that what ranked choice voting allows people to do is to vote for, like, for example, there's a lot of single issue voters, like. There's a lot of people who are just abortion voters or pro-choice or pro-life voters. There's a lot of people who are 
just voting on social security or on climate change. And what it allows people to do is to like vote for candidates that each represent that single issue really well. And so then they have more parties, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, that's what I like. They have more parties than we do, and they also do ranked choice voting. So I'm wondering if there's a link there, you know? I don't know if they do ranked choice, but they have a single transferable vote, which I don't know what that is. Hmm. They have they have different vote systems for different their, their different election systems, which should have making this very complicated to look up. <laughs> but I think so. The biggest reform I like in the Colorado proposal is the final four instead of just getting one, like a left and right candidate, you get four candidates to choose from. So it's not just like picking mm -hmm. from the lesser of two evils. You have Lesser of four evils, another op more options to select. Hopefully, one of them has a good idea somewhere in there. That's so true. I think um, I think they do do ranked choice voting because they also call it alternative voting, and that's what it's been called on Google. So I think the UK does do alternative voting, and that's probably why they have more political parties that represent people's ideologies. Because here's another thing: I think a lot of our listeners know this, and a lot of people know this is that not all of us are like extreme on one side or the other. But those are the kind of people that we get nominated, right? Like, kind of look at local elections or even, or and especially presidential elections, and you're like, gosh, like, it's either this person wearing the tinfoil hat or that person wearing the tinfoil hat. Which one do I choose, you know? So I think it will allow some more middlemen to get in, right? Yeah, I think a lot of that's the, the primary system where it's like, they run to the, they run to the far side of the party trying to out, out right or out left of their, every other opponent. And get all those voters because uh, no, they're not catering to the middle. And then in the mm -hmm. election, they have to like run back to the middle. Like, no, 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 I didn't mean any of that thing, any of those things that I said during the primary. These are my true beliefs. And it's like, what are they actually saying? Like, oh, that's like the so open primary. Yeah, like, because, so to me. <laughs> yeah, because like with the party primaries, people are just like, I'm just going to cater to this one party. But then when it comes to general election, they have to all of a sudden be a middleman. But like, if we just have we change the primary election system, then we won't have these like crazy people. Also, who has time to go vote in the primaries? Like a lot of people don't. I mean, go vote everyone. <laughs> yeah, please go vote if you can. Um, I know that it's like kind of a little bit, there's a lot of nihilism around voting, which I don't blame anyone for feeling that way, but please go vote. And it's also like, um, cause the people who are voting are the people who, think the earth is flat which no offense to any flat earthers listening to our podcast right now but the maybe is a little not offense flat. i mean no no don't maybe some offense, offense. <laughs> don't hurt anyone's feelings including people who believe we're living on a floating cd which is subjectively scientifically false i mean but like you know you get those people voting for their flat earth representative and then all of a sudden we have someone in congress who thinks the earth is flat which i mean i mean well, this is the I think I think while this is the problem, the the primary system is you you get a small minority that controls the entire election. So like you get like twenty percent turnout for the primary, and True. it's only if you're in a partisan, non-competitive area, only like only the ten percent who vote for the Republican or the Democrat side, whichever side is dominating that area, gets to basically select who's going to run, and then the general election is just like a thirty-point blowout, and it's. Did the other side even does like the other side votes even matter? True. Oh my gosh! Like that's probably where a lot of this nihilism is coming from because it's like, well, 
a lot of people who show up to these these um, primaries are just like super radical. And then everyone's like, well, what's the point in even voting for someone who I don't identify remotely with? And like, you know, it makes people feel like their votes don't matter because the nominees had already been determined for them, right? Yeah. So coming from New York, the last Republican senator to represent New York was Diamato, Al Diamato in 1999. Last wow. time New York voted for a Republican president was Ronald Reagan in 1984. What? And so it's like, if you're voting in these elections for the, it's like you're voting Republican your entire life in New York. You've basically, like, I would never have had the chance to have New York vote for the person, electoral votes go to the person I voted for. So it's like, what does, <laughs> what does my vote matter is that, like, if New York's always going to go the other way, if there's no, if it's not actually competitive, does it mean anything? Yeah. I mean, and that's another thing is like, um, talking about non-competitive elections is not only are the voters feeling like it's pointless to vote, but the people who would be really engaged with politics would bring a lot of like sound, you know, um, clear headedness to government are choosing not to run because they feel like what's the point in running when the incumbent's just going to win or, you know, the party primary part picking process is just going to select the person who's most radical. Like I have no, like, for example, if you're not really extreme, it almost feels like there's no point in running. And that's when, flashback to our last episode, we get a lot of crazy old people in politics. I mean, they're not old. I mean, they're not crazy because they're old. Um, they're in politics because they kind of have some really extreme beliefs. And they tend to be older because they've been doing this for a long, long time. And then we don't get any fresh phrases or some, I guess, stability in there, if that makes sense. Yeah, the comments have a huge advantage holding their seats and will just hold their seat indefinitely. Mm-hmm. The person who beat the last Republican senator in New York was Chuck Schumer. And he's been in that seat for 25 years now, just holding it. And yeah. no one's really like, no one's going to beat him. Like no one has a, ch- no one on the Republican side will have a chance in New York. Yeah. And on the primary side, no one has a chance against them either. So, okay. So how many out of the 435 seats in Congress do you think were competitive in the last elections act? I mean, if we had good elections, every seat should be competitive. <laughs> yes, because we are supposed to be living in a democracy, right? And if you don't have a competitive election, it's not very democratic, right? Yeah. Well, according to what's in the script and what you, what we've researched, um, the answer is about 42 seats in Congress, or about 10% of congressional seats had competitive <laughs> elections, which is actually terrifying. That means that... of the country is going very unrepresented is what I would say. Um, And there people aren't, you know, there's not a lot of contested seats. Um, We're very partisan. We're not splitting our tickets. You know, there's very few congressional districts that are actually reflecting what the people who are being, um, who are electing that congressional district are wanting. Yeah, it's basically in 90% of seats in the U.S. Congress, the primary is what is what is choosing, is the actual election that chooses the representative. And then mm-hmm. the general is just a cakewalk and you're just like, all right, well, I'm, I'm winning. Here, here's the D or the R next to my name. Check it off the list. Yeah. Also, another thing is, have you ever been to like a rep- Republican or a Democratic nomination process? Like, have you ever gone to like a caucus or anything like that? Like, what was your impression of that? I have not, Hannah. Tell okay. me about it. I gotta tell you because it fits in with this episode. So, 
I've gone to the Republican caucus and the Republican uh, national convention. I've gone to a lot of the conventions um, just to like be there talking about climate change. And also like, you know, I'm a Republican, so I'm going to go and represent myself. But I always thought that I had like kind of strong opinions about my politics. Oh boy, I was so wrong. Like these people were like decked out in Republican gear and they had so many like buttons and all this kind of stuff. And like, it's really exciting to see people very, very engaged with politics and participating politically because it's like, oh my gosh, like that's way better than just like the nihilism and the, the you know, apathy that a lot of people experience. But then you start talking to them and sometimes like it's almost like they're very, 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 very extreme and that's why they're there. And not so much of like, oh, they they really, really care about something, if that makes sense. It's more like it's more like they they're pretty, pretty radical. And not that radicalism's bad. It's just the proportion of people who are radical, the proportion of people who are in the middle is like there's like fifty radical people and there's like one very like middle centrist person who's like a little bit closer to the center than like these far right people are. So it's very true. Just anecdotally, in my experience, like I thought that I was pretty extreme to the right, and then I found out that actually I feel like I'm pretty moderate compared to a lot of people there. And I wish there were more moderate people coming out there, but they just don't have like the juice or the fire under their feet to get out there. And so, what we should do is just change the way the primaries are. Yeah, it's the small portion of the electorate that comes out that really selects the candidate in the primary, and then the generals a cakewalk and. It's these really motivated people. And a lot of times the most motivated people are the ones who are most partisan. They don't, the other side never crosses their mind. They view the other side as evil. It's become like a, it's like a team sport now. The The way we've brought up with politics, it's very much like us versus them, team sports, red versus blue. And there's no discussion of what to actually, no, there's no discussion of how to actually solve the issues and like move forward in our society. Just like we're stuck on disagreeing with each other and like, Whatever the other side says, we're going to agree with. And whatever our me guy says, we're going to agree with no matter what. And that's not the right way to be doing politics. We need to be able to have an open discussion and figure well, out solutions. Okay, I was just to figure out solutions. There you go. Oh, sorry. Good guy. I keep interrupting you. No, you can go. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, it's funny that you say that because I remember when I was a kid, my um, parents put on the 2008 Romney versus Obama election on the TV. And I have a twin. And me and my twin decked out in different colors. I wore red and he wore blue. And we would like, you know, cheer for every vote that went to our our side. And we like were fighting. <laughs> and it's funny because I was like, in 2008, I was seven. That's how young I was. Um, astute political observer, but even back then. I was sure. political observer. Exactly. I was, I wrote an essay about it. I put I, a letter to the editor. Just kidding. No. But yeah, no, like even from when I was a young kid, I was kind of socialized into believing that like politics was this, just this horse race, you know? It was this this thing that we were like all betting on and getting our blood boiling over. And it's like, but that's really not what it is. And it's not how we should treat it, right? Yeah. And it's this partisanship's really just increased in the past. I don't know. As life, as time has gone on, our society's gotten more and more partisan. And it really, you think about how George Washington was like, we don't, like, he didn't want parties. He's like, we don't want a party system. It'll ruin politics. We'll become divided and fight each other. And it's, he was right. This is what it's led to. 
Yeah, it's crazy how much insight George Washington had. Also, have you ever been to George Washington's museum in in DC? No, I've I've never been to DC. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, well, um, at Mount Vernon, I was so excited to go to the George Washington Museum because I had read his final addresses and I really thought they would have something about it. And maybe I missed it. Mount Vernon people, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I was really excited, but I didn't see anything. And so um, really, truly, the only thing I saw at the end was not his, his address, but it was the wooden teeth. And so I feel like that's a really good metaphor for what's going on in politics now is we're forgetting about like, you know, what politicians actually have to say in terms of like his final address and he fixate on the identity, like the wooden teeth, you know? And it's like, well, actually his teeth weren't wooden. They were actually made of like cow teeth and enslaved people's teeth, which was also creepy. But I think like, yeah, creepy fact that you didn't want to know. Um, but I think that it's really sad because I think that, not having ranked choice voting and having these really extreme primaries. Um, not only are politicians choosing extreme politics, but they're also ex- choosing really extreme identities. And that is also really bad for democracy and also really bad because how many people do you know make their stance on LGBTQ people or their stance on um, abortion their entire personality? Far too many. How many people? Po- but no! I know a few people who do that. Maybe I'm in a more, maybe I have a more moderate friend group than you. But in terms of politicians, I see a lot of politicians who do that. But I don't see, I feel like. Okay. That's what you mean there. Yeah. And so it's like, it makes politicians less relatable and also like makes us feel even further like distant from where they are, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's, it's the, we're just continuously getting more and more partisan as time is going on. And our primaries are making it worse. Our, the way we've like made elections like an entertainment show is making it worse. Like the way that news reports on elections now, like reports on candidates and policies has made it worse. Our society is just making elections and division like what is like it's like drives views. So it's like they want us to get our blood boiling. Like they want us to hate each other because it's like gets views, gets more advertiser dollars. And it's not good for our society. No, it's definitely not. And I feel like this is where I get a lot of flack as someone who's, you know, more conservative is that's why I don't like Donald Trump. He is very divisive. He is very, very anti the other side, right? It's just whatever the other side is doing, he's on the opposite side of that. And it feels like, how is that good for us? Because government is supposed to be doing things. And if you're just always automatically the other side, that means we're not going to get anywhere. You know, it's like, ah, and it's just, I feel like it also as you're saying um, later in the script, you start to start talking about like not having the threat of losing their seat, not being responsive to the electorate. And um, it kind of makes it so that these politicians almost have like a sense of invincibility and that just, there's no accountability and we need to be able to hold our, our um, people in government accountable for what they do. Right. Yeah. Because of how uncompetitive our elections is, they can rely on let's say like 25 to 30% of the electorate and just like bank on that, electorate getting them through the primary and then walking through the general and they yeah. don't need to be responsive to any of the whims of the other side they don't need to they if they're a democrat they don't need to be responsive to any of the republican views if they're a republican they don't need to be responsive to any of the democrat views and it's not what our representatives are supposed to do they're supposed to represent everyone in their district or their state yeah and that's what i feel about um 
not to bring up Donald Trump again, but I don't feel like a lot of Republicans. I mean, I'm sure there's 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 hundreds, if not thousands, thousands of them who who love Donald Trump, and there are things that Trump did that I agree with, and a lot of other Republicans agree with. But I think a lot of moderate Republicans don't enjoy him anymore. But there's that really, really, really galvanized portion of the Republican Party that are just like fawning over him, and it's like this is not healthy because. It's almost like they treat him as if he could do no wrong. And that's not a healthy way to be approaching government. And I want to see someone in, in government who we can hold accountable for what they do, who holds themselves accountable, and who also, like, um, you know, isn't just going to be elected by a really small, very radical portion of the party. Yeah, we need more options and more choices to really get more discussion going, more, more solutions offered to every problem. Not just shutting down the other side and being like, "This is productive." We're not. Just, we're just yeah. going to make sure the other side can't do anything. Like in this past, uh, this past Congress elected in twenty twenty two was considered the least effective Congress ever. Only passed twenty bills, and like twenty bills. Yeah, and usually it's like eighty to like one hundred fifty. Like, and these are like bills. They the bills they passed were like opening banks and minting like a special coin like not important things like we need we have issues we need things to be solved like the, my, the immigration crisis is like being shut down now because of partisan politics and it seems like both sides are willing to come and come and negotiate but certain but certain elements of the of both parties are like no we're not going to do this at all we're going to kill the bill uh screw the other side we're just going to make sure nothing happens it's like we need the, we need the find a stance in the middle we need to come together and solve the issue Yes. And it's like, um, and that's what I feel like is so, to bring this back to climate change is, um, we, we've been talking about climate change on the show a lot. And now we're talking about, you know, ranked choice voting and the role in that. Um, and I feel like it's such an urgent thing that we need to be working on and so critical that we have fresh, new and, um, you know, sensible people in government to be working on this. Going back to the episode, we were talking about where very old people are in, co in on Congress and they tend to not be as interested in climate as younger people are. And I feel like if we have more split, more split ticket districts, sorry, I didn't mean to stumble. My mouth is quite dry this afternoon. Um, but I feel like, and, and we also had more ranked choice voting, then we're going to get more of those young people in there. We're going to get more of those like very stable, very thoughtful people in there who are going to be making good decisions around climate change. And we're not just going to get the choice of either, oh, it doesn't exist and I'm very skeptical of it. Or now all of a sudden we have a communist government and, um, you know, you don't have individual liberties anymore. Like we need those middle ground people in there. And I feel like having ranked choice voting is a way to get them in there. Yeah, you need those people who are willing to step to the table and like discuss things with the other side. Because you get things like the Inflation Reduction Act, which passed on pure partisan lines and didn't get any Republican support. And it's like if Republican senators and congressmen had come over and negotiated with the Democrats on that, maybe they could have gotten more of what they wanted. Maybe they could have gotten assurances for like nuclear power development and other more conservative environmental policies on there. But because they didn't, it was basically just Joe Biden's Green New Deal. And they didn't get what they... One and all there. Also, hold up one second. My Alexa is telling me what the weather is like. So <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Um, anyways, say that warmer time. My Alexa was just so loud. Where were we? Um, we can, we can um, edit this part out. Sorry, Peterson. 
my Alexa was like, tomorrow the weather is going to be snowy. <laughs> yeah, this is why we need people who are willing to discuss with the other side and like compromise and like be at the table negotiating. Because otherwise you get purely partisan deals like the Inflation Reduction Act, which no which was a hundred percent Democratic support, no Republican support. And if Republicans had been at the negotiating table, they could have gotten things they wanted done. They could have gotten deals on immigration. They could have gotten nuclear power into the Inflation Reduction Act. They could have gotten other parts of more conservative parts in there to focus on the future. And instead they were left out and they didn't get the deal they want. Now they're upset about it. But also, it's like you have to be at the table. You have to talk yes. to Yes. And like this is one thing that I care about a lot is I feel like people have to listen to each other, right? And if you just see the other side as Satan or um I know I could also use the word the devil or Lucifer, or I guess if you're not a religious person, as like akin to a terrorist or something like that, right? Then you're not going to listen to them. But if we're electing people who are really, really extreme and who have very poor listening skills because they're very, very extreme, like, of course, people who maybe would have been more moderate in Congress are going to feel like the other side is just not going to listen to them because we keep electing these really extreme people. And then we're electing. And then those extreme people are, you know, also going to be talking over more moderate people and radicalizing more moderate people. And it's just like, it's this feedback loop where um, there's no communication, there's, you know, no compromise, it's hardline this, hardline that. And so in, in some ways, when we're voting for our policies, it's like we're not even voting for it anymore because the composition of Congress matters more than whether or not we like the politician that we're voting for, you know? Like, I could vote for someone who I really feel like values something that I value. But if there's one extra Democrat in Congress and there is Republican, then the entire legislative session, if they're all voting in blocks, is going to just be Democratic bills that are getting passed, if that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, it becomes the us versus them mentality that it breaks down to. And it's like, we're getting nowhere. We need more parties, more options. Ranked choice voting, open primaries. Final four. Imagine having four options in, in the presidential election. Ah, wouldn't that be refreshing? Yeah, and like, I feel like people who didn't get the person that they wanted in office would be way more satisfied because, for example, if I had a choice between like Nikki Haley, Trump, Joe Biden, and we'll say RFK, and I could like vote for those people, maybe I really like Nikki Haley, and I put Nikki Haley as first and then I like Trump second and then I like Joe Biden third and then I like RFK last. Say Trump wins. Well, technically he was still my second choice. So I still feel politically efficacious, which is super important. And also I feel satisfied with the things the way things are going politically. So yeah. Also, how much more time do we have? I think we are wrapping up pretty soon, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I was going to say let's wrap up now. Okay. So everyone who's listening to this, Please, please, please join CCL Conservatives. They actually have a conservative caucus um, in D.C. coming up here this spring. Be sure to check that out. And also write your member of Congress or even run for Congress. That's what my new thing I'm going to have people doing is run for whatever you're going to be running for. Run for something because I want you to represent yourself in more ways than just voting. Um, also share this episode on your social media feed and share your opinion about the topic. How do you feel about ranked choice voting? How do you feel like it links to climate change? And if you're interested in ranked choice voting and open primaries, 
uh, get involved with the forward party. They are pushing the election reform and just got onto the, they're officially a political party in Colorado and Utah. Woo! Yay for the forward party! <laughs> um, so for you, our listener, also email us with your thoughts. Our email is info at greenteapartyradio.com. And thank you so much for listening to Green Tea Party Radio. And a very special thank you to all of our patrons. We could not have done any of this without you. And if you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as Green Tea Party Radio merch, check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. If you have feedback, tell us what's on your mind and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And just so you know, this is our passion project. We don't have any organizational sponsor. We're trying to build a movement because we want the world to know that conservatives have very important things to say about the environment and climate change. And if you want to hear our show on your college radio station, email us at info@greenteapartyradio.com and get us the details about your campus and your radio station. The email again is info@greenteapartyradio.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>
Christine Todd Whitman, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, meteorologist Marshall Shepard. Each week, we have a conversation with an eco-right leader bringing you information, opinions, personal stories, and much, much more. Download, listen, subscribe, and join us each week on the Eco-Right Speaks.